Greetings. This is Phil St. Romain. Thank you for tuning in to my Awaken podcast channel. What does the New Testament teach about reincarnation? Was John the Baptist the reincarnation of Elijah? This podcast explores these and related questions. At the end, you will hear more about how to support this ministry. And now, our podcast message. Let's just jump right in by looking at the teaching of Jesus. His teaching seems to resonate with what we call the four last things, the four final things, it's sometimes called two. That at the end of life there is death, there's judgment, and there's heaven and hell. And we can sometimes speak of an intermediate state that's not heaven or hell, but it's on the way to heaven, a state called purgatory. Those in purgatory will end up in heaven, so we're still looking at the ultimate realities of heaven and hell. That's what comes through in Jesus' teachings. Later in Hebrews 9, 27, Paul says, It is appointed that men die once, then be judged by God. Now, that's not necessarily supposed to be an all-encompassing teaching to be used as a proof text. But it sure isn't teaching reincarnation, is it? Men die once, then be judged by God. So it's saying something about that. People who believe that Jesus taught about reincarnation often point to the story of uh, in Matthew 17, verses 9 through 13, coming down from Mount Tabor, where Jesus and uh, Peter, James, and John have had this amazing experience, Jesus being transfigured and hearing God the Father speak, and then encountering Moses and Elijah. Now, one interesting thing about Moses and Elijah is, at least in the case of Elijah, he didn't die as as other people died, and maybe Moses didn't either. We know about where Moses died, but there are some traditions that Moses was taken right up into heaven, body and all. So, coming down from Mount Tabor, the apostles were pretty convinced that Jesus was the one. So he tells them, don't tell anyone what you have seen, namely the transfiguration, vision of Moses and Elijah, voice of the Father, until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? That's uh, one of the prophecies. Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. You know, if if you're looking for a place where Jesus taught about reincarnation, you would say, well... He's saying Elijah has come. They didn't recognize him. He came in, and uh, he was John the Baptist. But there's a few problems with this. First of all, there's all the rest of Jesus' teachings, and some of them we'll look at shortly. Um, Then the second thing is that Elijah didn't really die, so not in the usual manner of the body stays behind and, and something, a spirit or soul, moves on. It seems rather 
And Jesus is talking about the prophetic spirit that Elijah had manifest was also being manifest in the ministry of John the Baptist. Prophetic spirit here. Spirit is not to be understood as a reincarnated soul, but as a charism or ministry gift. Okay. Here's a little bit more about John and Elijah. This one is from Luke. The angel speaking to Zechariah, when Zechariah has his vision about the birth of John, says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John will go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah. An allusion again to the uh, prophetic charism that uh, John the Baptist, like Elijah, was manifesting. Later, this in John's gospel, when John the Baptist was ministering, he was asked, who are you? And he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So John says he's not Elijah. Uh, the angel says he's ministering in the spirit and power of Elijah. And so Jesus' teaching about John and his relationship with Elijah has to be understood in that context. There's an even more intriguing teaching uh, by Jesus on rebirth. You, you probably have uh, read it, I'm sure, and heard it many times. Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. Jesus says to Nicodemus, this is in John 3, I tell you most solemnly, unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a grown man be born? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, if Jesus was ever going to teach about reincarnation, this was a great setup. Right? Because, I mean, Nicodemus is really trying to figure this out. Jesus says, I tell you most solemnly, unless a person is born through water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. He's talking about spiritual rebirth. Rebirth in the spirit through faith. Something that Christianity will hold out as the way, as the Christian way to liberation, uh, if you will. All right, so here's another thing. This uh, um, <clears throat> Christian teaching will later recognize uh, a teaching about saints, that in the afterlife, saints continue to exist, individuals continue to exist, and even assist us in our earthly ministry through their prayers. It could be that Elijah actually was assisting John the Baptist in that way as well. So we'll turn that page on John the Baptist and uh, and Elijah. A third point on Jesus. Jesus resurrects, not reincarnates. 
Jesus reanimates the same body that was crucified, completely transforming it. It's the same body, but not the same kind of body. It can appear and disappear. Body can also eat fish, walk about, talk. He has scars. They can be touched and probed. It can appear in space and time, but move instantly into realms beyond space and time. It has been spiritualized. It is transparent to spirit. There's something about the, re the resurrection that reveals to us something very important about, the, about human nature and the destiny of the body as an essential part of our individual human personhood and identity. The resurrection is the promise that Jesus holds out to believers, not reincarnation and an end to reincarnation or anything like that. So let's look then at uh, resurrection versus reincarnation, a closer look. Sometimes I've even run across writers who say basically they're talking about the same thing. Oh, no, no, not, not nearly, not nearly the same thing. One body versus many bodies. And this is the rub for many people. So many people, after all, don't seem to have much of a life. And is this it? This is the only life we get? Uh, doesn't seem fair. The resurrection reveals the body is integral to our human nature versus merely some kind of an accidental vehicle for a consciousness to inhabit while it learns its lessons. The body is not a bio-space suit for a soul to pick up and put down in life after life. Neither is the resurrection a merely spiritualist phenomenon where it's a spiritual body. As we see in Jesus, it's, it is a physical resurrection. Resurrection is the soul being reunited to its body on the last day, at the end of time. That's the general resurrection. That God will, in some way we don't fully understand, reunite soul and body. Even the damned, even those who were evil will be raised, but they will not be glorified. How God will do this, we don't know. Most of our bodies will have been dissipated to smithereens. But God knows what our DNA was, for example, and can reconstitute that in a second if God wants to. And so that's really different from uh, being re-embodied many countless times, as reincarnation teaches. Between death and life is an intermediate state. That with death, something does live on, but not to be reincarnated. That's it. Its fate is determined when it dies. The soul, we believe, is spiritual, immortal, and lives on. It receives its judgment at death and begins to participate in its eternal reward and punishment when it dies, even though it hasn't yet received its resurrection body. Okay, so then finally, resurrection we say is a total transformation of the body rather than a release from the body 
and cycles of ongoing incarnations. And some systems of reincarnation, some of the Eastern systems, the body is not regarded as a good thing. It's something to be transcended. It holds back the spirit. We'll see something of that in, uh, in, in Christian Gnosticism as well. Okay. Okay, moving on then to early Christianity. What were they believing? Well, of course, they were going to believe what Jesus and the apostles taught. They had the teachings of Judaism as well, of Paul, an, an apostle. But, you know, they continued to think about it. This, this interesting questions. What happens, what, what happens with death? Judaism didn't have a well-developed teaching about the intermediate state and what happens to those who, are, who have not been perfected in this life, for example. Origen was a Christian teacher, probably besides Paul, the first great theologian in the church, very influential. And some of his teachings uh, were very speculative. He didn't even mean for some of them to be circulated. And one of them was a, a, a speculative teaching that the universe has gone through several ages. There's multiple universes. And in every one of those, we exist. So that's kind of like reincarnation, but not really, because for Origen, you only exist once in each of these universes. It doesn't seem that he condoned multiple incarnations in a single age or universe. Then there were, of course, the Gnostics. These were Christians who were drawn to the interior life, mystical teachings, but their theology and philosophy was very influenced, not so much by Judaism, but by uh, uh, Pythagore Pythagorean uh, philosophy, Zoroastrian uh, philosophy, uh, Platonism, Neoplatonism. And there's not just one kind of Gnosticism out there. Gnosticism means knowledge. Manichaeism is a kind of Gnosticism. Uh, a, a theology and philosophy as well. Some of them were okay. I mean, what's wrong with exploring the inner life and getting in touch with God within? Absolutely nothing. But their view in some cases was that you want to do this because the body is not a good thing, because matter is where evil is grounded. And so we have to escape from the world of matter and get in touch with the realm of spirit within. And, and so the way this teaching eventually goes is a denial that Jesus himself had a real physical body, that it only seemed like he had a physical body. Uh, he needed some kind of a, an image, we would now say maybe a holographic representation to communicate with us in the body, but he himself couldn't have died as for the resurrection, you don't need to resurrect if there's no real body there in the first place. Now, the thing about Christianity then and even now is it can tolerate a great deal of speculation, but only up to a point. After a while, some of these teachings begin to be in serious conflict with the core beliefs and practices of the community, and something needs to be said about that. So some of these teachings were rejected by the church. The um, um, early theologian Irenaeus, in particular, has a chapter in his book 
against heresies. The chapter is on the absurdity of the doctrine of transmigration of souls. In that book, he's really letting the Gnostics have it. Some of the Gnostics even taught that the reason we're born in the first place is to atone for defects in the spiritual realm. In other words, bodily existence is something of a punishment. It's not a good thing. We were happy in heaven, in some heavenly spiritual realm, and we we messed up, and so we're going to have to work things out in the earthly realm, in the realm of matter. So although there were teachings in the early church, uh, or teachers in the early church that speculated about reincarnation and even taught it in the case of the Gnostics, it was not accepted in the mainstream. And it should be noted that simply because some teachings are circulating in the early church, it doesn't mean they ought to be granted the same kind of status uh, as, as the teachings that were widely held from the beginning. That seems to be the way that some people think about it. It's like there were these teachings about reincarnation going around, and they were quashed, and they were repressed. There were other kinds of teachings that were too. Teachings called Docetism, Arianism, and others. And, and the reason a heresy is condemned It's not because the church is mean and dogmatic, but because eventually it pulls you away from the core revelation and message of the gospel. I hope you enjoyed this message. If you would like to support this ministry with a tax-deductible donation, please use the payment link on my website, shalomplace.com. That's S-H-A-L-O-M-P-L-A-C-E dot com. Thank you for your consideration.